Welcome to the Wild and Free Podcast, Episode 49. I'm Ainsley Arment, and this week, the founder of Beautiful Feet Books, Rhea Berg, talks about helping reluctant readers, finding a literary connection with our spouses, and how books make everything better. Plus, we're so close to reaching our goal in the Grow the Village campaign for the Wild and Free Farm Village. We'll give you an update and share how you can make a difference with just one click. So grab a cup of coffee and join us on the front porch. Let's get started. look at my children, it's crazy to think we're in our eighth year of homeschooling. I'm still amazed at all the ways they've grown and all the learning that's happened in their minds and hearts. The way we live and learn is so starkly different from other people that I used to have occasional moments of panic. But over the years, I reminded myself that we brought our children home to get them out of school. The very last thing we should be doing at home is mimicking the classroom or trying to check all the boxes. Homeschooling isn't about finding a teaching method that works to keep kids all on the same page with relatively mild disruptions. That's thinking like our kids are contained in a box, but they're not. They are free. You are free. Homeschooling is about relationship. It's about individualized education. It's about freeing our kids to learn what they want at their own pace. Because we can, yes, but even more, because this is how children learn best. Learning is not a system, methodology, or checklist to get things done. It's an organic process that occurs when the conditions are right. Our role is part guide and part architect, creating an environment in which our children can not only grow, but thrive. Childhood is not a race. It is an opportunity to foster wonder, creativity, and a way of learning that won't simply prepare children for a changing future, but help them create it. By learning and exploring in natural and real-life environments, our children will gain the skills necessary to do and be whatever they choose. Homeschooling should never be about what we are keeping from our children, but rather what we are giving them. The net result is a reclamation of childhood. It's time to restore the things that have been lost in childhood. It's time to reclaim the wonder in our children's education. In just a few minutes, Rhea Berg will share her thoughts on how reading enriches all aspects of our lives. But first, this Wednesday is an important date for the Wild and Free community. As you may know, we set out to raise $33,000 to grow the Wild and Free Farm Village. This would allow us to access thousands of acres in the adjoining National Forest 
provide housing for our staff, expand the hiking and horse riding trails, make lodging available for guests before the lodge is ready, and provide security and privacy for our gatherings. So far, we've reached 75% of our goal, and we have just three days to raise the remaining 7,000. To make it easier, we're giving away some amazing perks for contributions of $10, $35, $50, and more. This is an incredible opportunity to create a legacy for generations of families to come, but we can't do it without your help. To be part of the Grow the Village campaign, visit bewildandfree.org slash farmvillage. Rhea Berg is the founder of Beautiful Feet Books and a beloved part of the Wild and Free community. She had some interesting things to say about raising reluctant readers, finding a literary connection with our spouses, and how books make everything better. Let's listen in to Jennifer Pepito and Rhea Berg. I'm so excited to chat with you. I think that, you know, as homeschoolers, especially as the public schools ramp up the expectations, it can get harder and harder to make time for reading or make time for the beauty of that. And I, and I think we have to keep almost reiterating to ourselves and our families how powerful it is to bring story into your homeschool. Yes, absolutely. So I thought it'd be fun to talk a little bit about when you have kids who are delayed readers. I have one you know, most of my children have taken to reading, Mm -hmm. but I have one who is reading, but just doesn't really choose to like the other kids at this point, were picking up chapter books and really enjoying them. And this one, it's more like something I have to assign daily. So I I want to start by talking about getting kids reading and then talk about how fairy tales can bring wonder into our lives. As far as the reluctant reader, I I had a few of those myself. I think it's particularly common with boys. And um, I think the best way to do it is just keep reading aloud. I think there comes a point at which they'll start picking up books themselves. And sometimes for some boys, I mean, it can happen with girls, of course, too. But I think particularly for boys, it can happen when they just finally sort of make that hormonal break from you in the sense that they're becoming young men, their bodies are changing, and their needs and expectations of you are changing as well. And a lot of times during that time in a young man's life, they want a little bit more independence and distance from mom. And so it can be a good time for really encouraging independent reading. I still read to my boys through their teen years, but um, I think for the reluctant reader, that's especially important because I have to say for the adult, you know, children that I have, the the boys are still very, very committed to reading and are continually reading a couple, three books at a time, all the time. So I think that's just a fruit of, you know, the love that they developed as young boys, having all those stories read to them, it becomes such a part of your life that it's hard to imagine living without it. And we live in a generation where men, by and large, do not read. It's something like 60 or 70% now of men will never pick up a book again after they leave high school. Oh, that's tragic. That's just tragic. 
Yeah, it's really tragic because if you think about the role that men play in raising sons and and the role that men play in business and in government and in civil society, if you have a non-reading public, you're going to start seeing, you know, just the degradation of society on a on a massive scale. And so when we think about the importance of this with our sons, you know, we honestly cannot emphasize it enough. And if it's a man of they're not liking the books that you're offering to them, just keep switching it up. Keep trying until you really find something that captures their imagination. Because, you know, boys will attach to something that really speaks to them. And sometimes as moms, it's hard to know exactly what that is. Yeah, that's really good, Rhea. And it's interesting for me too, because with my older children, I had read a book by the Blue Dorns and it talked about reading like in the 10 things to do before age 10, reading for up to two hours a day. That was their recommendation out loud. And I did read a lot. I mean, we read, my husband read every evening. I always read aloud during morning time. So we did a lot of reading aloud. But with my youngest children in the last couple of years, since I started working more, I haven't read aloud as much. And it's interesting how that, how that translates. My second youngest does read a lot. She's a girl and she just, I don't know if it's her being a girl or what it is. Cause my, my older boys are big readers, but I think that the really bigger issue is in some ways, my distraction or my busyness means that I'm not reading aloud as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. And so then they, for one thing, it's not being modeled. And for two, you know, it's that attention, like they have to learn to slow down and listen to me read before they're able to slow down and read themselves. Sure. Yeah. So it is an acquired skill. I think that's important to remember. And it's not something that happens overnight. It happens over years and years of just cultivating that practice. And, you know, I think one thing you just said is really important to emphasize too, and that is the importance of dads really being in charge of the read aloud time at night. And that was something that we always did in our family. And especially when you consider, you know, the statistic I just quoted from that national survey of reading that men don't read after they leave high school. And and in some cases, we're talking even men after they leave college. And it's often because the stuff they were forced to read in high school and college did not capture their imagination. And I mean, it's a sad commentary on, you know, what men are required to read in high school and college. But we can really reverse that. I have to say, when when I met my husband, he was not a reader. I mean, that was a huge red flag for me, honestly, because I was such a reader. And so one of the things we started doing as a couple before we even got married was we started sharing books. And so I remember one of the first books I gave him to read was Watership Down because I had just finished it. And it's just like, oh, we'll try this. And he read it and he ended up liking it. And that was kind of the beginning of a journey for us because he was raised on television. His mother wasn't a reader and she didn't read to her children. And so, you know, when you grow up in that kind of a void, obviously, you know, you're not going to end up being an adult male that reads. And especially with all the distractions we have now. I mean, those weren't even distractions then. We didn't have the internet. All we had was television, but television was big enough of a distraction that, you know, you could live your life perfectly content and never read a book. But when we got married and we decided not to have television, 
and we moved out to the country, we there was only one option for entertainment, and that was reading books. So my husband went from being a non-reader to a really voracious reader. And now in our 60s, I mean, he still is reading at least two or three, sometimes more books at one time. And that's a big part of our ability to engage with each other intellectually and stimulate each other. Because if you don't have a life of the mind going on in your marriage relationship, it can, it can get really dull. Yeah, that's the, this is really fun. We didn't plan to talk about this, but it's actually it's such a powerful concept. You know, for one thing, the hope that someone can learn to love reading later on. Like if yes. your child is ten or twelve or fourteen or twenty, and they're not loving to read yet, it doesn't mean that it's over for them. Uh, exactly. That your husband, as an adult, developed a love of reading, and then, as you said, this intellectual life of the mind that has helped bind you together as a couple. So that's really hopeful and beautiful. I know it's so funny because it's like one of the sexiest things my husband can do is come to me and say something like, Oh, babe, I have to just read you this passage. It's unbelievable. Oh, totally. And it's so cute because I'll just sit and watch him reading and I'll, and I'll take in his excitement and, and I'll see something in a book that I've read, but I completely missed. And that's the beauty of sharing it together because I'll see something that he won't see. And, and honestly, I have to say, because my husband is a more intentional reader, he often gets more out of books. I'm kind of a speed reader and I'm always voraciously reading. And so sometimes I miss like really important things where, you know, he'll bring out something. I'll go, wow, I didn't see that at all. Like that is really neat. So I, yeah, I want to go back to that thought of becoming a, a good reader, even as an adult, because that really did change the trajectory of our family. First of all, making the decision not to have television and then sort of guarding our evening family time so that that was a time where Papa read to the kids. And then, you know, we had this incredible experience of reading all these tremendous books together that he had never read. And so watching his excitement, the kids just naturally glommed onto that because, you know, when someone's excited about what they're reading, it's just infectious. And so over the years, when you consider all the books we read, you think about all those series, you know, Narnia and the Little House books and the Ralph Moody series, you know, the Boxcar Children, and you just name all those series of books that we read together as a family and experienced those experiences collectively as a family. You know, those are really powerful and life-changing. We'll be back with Ria in just a minute, but I wanted to share about something exciting happening in the Wild and Free community this fall. As you may know, we're releasing a book on September 3rd called The Call of the Wild and Free. And thanks to you, it's already become a bestseller in pre-orders alone. In order to celebrate the book and come together as a community, Wild and Free groups are gathering all throughout the month of September to host story nights, where several mamas will share their own stories in just six minutes each. In the spirit of a cozy house concert or dinner party, these gatherings are an opportunity to share our journeys, build each other up, and celebrate this calling to be wild and free. To attend a story night, learn more about them, or host one of your own, visit bewildandfree.org slash story nights. Now back to Rhea Berg. Reading 
books, especially historical fiction, gives you such a wider perspective on life. You know, I think that we can be so so focused on the minute details of our life and the hardships. And then you read a historical fiction about someone who survived a shipwreck or who, yes. who survived having their father die or who survived the swarm of locusts, basically. Yes. And you're like, oh, wow. I mean, I can survive. We can get through this sick child for a couple of days or this situation with a husband out of work. We can survive. And I think that that's part of the power of having a store of stories. Yes. And I, I think that's so true. And that's why the habit of reading is so important because you just never know what you're reading when you go into it. When you open that first chapter of a book and you begin reading, you have no idea as the book plays out, what exactly is going to play out in your life at the same time. And so often those things are so key. And I remember, you know, just one of the times that we were perhaps facing some serious financial difficulties and we we were reading the Little Britches series. And, you know, after Pa dies, sorry, spoiler alert there, um, <laughs> there's just this very moving time where Ma is trying to support the family. She now has six children and she's trying to support the family all on her own by her cooking business. And she makes all these beautiful pies and she makes these beautiful main courses and these beautiful cakes. And it's the children's duty to load all of these things on a cart and deliver them to the neighbors. And Ma has slaved for days in a hot kitchen in the middle of the summer, out on the prairie, there's no air conditioning. She's also like seven or eight months pregnant. And she has just filled this cart to overflowing. Of course, her children have helped her do all of this in the kitchen. It's a wood stove. They have to constantly be stoking the fire. But you can imagine, it's probably 90 degrees outside. It's probably 110 inside. She's pregnant. She's cooking all this stuff. And then they load the cart up, just brimming with goodness, with fresh baked pies and cakes and roasted chickens and you name it. Anything that the neighborhood people ordered, you know, they would provide. And this was how they managed to exist. This is how they managed to pay the bills. Well, on this particular day, Ralph knew that the cart wheel needed attention. He had seen it the day before and he he had made a mental note, I've got to repair that wheel or it's going to come off. The wheel's going to come off the cart. And, you know, he procrastinates like we all do. He procrastinates and they're, they're just walking down the road with this horse-drawn cart full of all of the fruits of their labor. And the wheel comes off the cart. I cried in that part. <laughs> the cart, cart turns over and every single thing yeah. that they spent days cooking is yeah. destroyed. It's all and you destroyed. just feel, you feel the pain and the shame and oh. the discouragement of that moment. And Ralph going back and telling his mother what has just happened and her, her strength of courage, that's what made me cry. She didn't recriminate. She didn't admonish them. She had she, so much mercy. She had so much mercy and so much grace. And you know, I think that's that's the beauty and the power of story is when we're reading those kinds of stories, it doesn't matter what we're going through. It's just like it can speak to a deep place of our heart and it can remind us of how incredibly blessed we are. Right. And no matter what we're facing, that there's always the ability, there's always the strength to draw on, there's always the grace to extend to ourselves and others. And I learned so much about grace in that moment, (laughs) reading that book, then, you know, probably memorizing a dozen scriptures, you know, it's just the power of that story to really impact your heart. 
Thank you, Rhea. Friends, don't forget to check out our fundraising campaign for the Wild and Free Farm Village. We still have some amazing giving perks left, and your gift will go a long way in helping us complete the vision for the campus of the Farm Village. To check out the perks and make a contribution, visit bewildandfree.org farmvillage. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but join us again next week for the Wild and Free podcast.